Good morning, afternoon, or evening to our listeners who have tuned in for our fourth episode of The Artful Nutmeg. We have a fun episode today where we are looking at snakes on the pitch. You might be thinking, what in the world are snakes on the pitch? But don't worry, we have an introduction for anyone not familiar with the term. I am one of your hosts, Tom Ferguson, and with me is our other host, Daniel Wise. Daniel, how's it going? I don't mean to sort of belabor our our topic here, but Tyler, the creator, released uh, a new song today and he's been shadow dropping tracks like all week. So he's got me like a little bit fired up. I I love what he's been doing with kind of like his his kind of B tracks off of uh, Call Me If You Get Lost. But that is beside the point. What we're talking about today are snakes on the pitch. And uh, basically, these are guys who are kind of infamous among certain clubs for being, you know, sort of either boyhood, you know, uh, uh, you know, guys who came up through the system and then eventually left for another team. Or as we'll talk later, uh, a guy who went from one team to another. And then at the end of the season, when he scored the goal to drop him down to uh, the championship, uh, he celebrated. So uh, (laughs) these are kind of guys that, you know, kind of got a red mark on them because of the way they either carried themselves during a transfer uh, saga or just completely betrayed the team and the supporters. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there are many, many different kinds of snakes out there, as you're saying, you know, going to a rival club. uh, We can talk about Bayern and Dortmund. Is that even is that even a betrayal or is that kind of just expected these days that if you go to if you're on Dortmund, you're probably going to end up on Bayern at some point? I, you know, I would say it's not even like a Bayern and uh, Dortmund thing, you know, exclusively. I would say it is kind of how football is now as a business. Um, I think a lot of a lot of players kind of are mercenaries these days. Uh, But, you know, I I don't know, like outside of, you know, ah, man. It, I I'm I can't really name anyone right now who who is kind of like that true you know um, I I I bleed this club you know you know I that sort of thing I like I don't would know never I, leave yeah yeah I don't know if I can name a player I you know kind of what we were talking about kind of in the before the show I would I would say like Marcus Rashford would be uh, probably. Yeah on that list, but who knows, you know, with, with how often, uh, he gets kind of maligned in the press. Uh, I would not be surprised if he eventually, uh, gets sick of it and moves on. Yeah. I think the same goes for, you know, on your team, Bakara Saka, I, I don't see him going anywhere. It's, it's one of those things where it just, especially for players that grew up in the club. And, um, Mm -hmm. we actually talk about this, as one of us snakes did this, but like, you know, growing up in a club, having all that money put towards you and, you know, it's the only club you really know. And I find yeah. that that makes it especially difficult to leave. And I feel like Sokka is one of those players. Rashford is one of those players. One, one, so one player wasn't like that, which was uh, Raheem Sterling, who, yeah. you know, was on Liverpool was in their youth team, was there for years and years and years. And 
you know, they spent all this money on his development. But when uh, when Man City came, you know, with their revitalization and becoming, you know, massive, massive team, they were, you know, the ones that had the money, the ones that had the cash. So Raheem saw that and, you know, took the bet, took the better salary. Yeah. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, these will concern players that go from kind of like kind of like that Darby, you know, rivalry type of thing where they go from, you know, a team in town to another team within that same city. Uh, But oftentimes they can even be on political terms, which is famous between Real Madrid and Barcelona, which I think was a saga uh, with Luis Figo back in whatever year uh, that was. If that that has that has to be at least 20 years ago or something like that. Um, But, you know, those are those are two teams on completely opposite ends of Spain. but the you know when you talk about El Clasico, it is because there is such a, a deep lying animosity that that exists between you know Catalan and and Spain itself. So uh, yeah, yeah, it 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 goes beyond that. And you see the same thing in England with you know Spurs and Arsenal who have this deep deep hatred for each other. Which you know I always find it very funny that Harry Kane. Uh, you know, they're Tottenham's all-time scorer. Now England's all-time mm-hmm. scorer is, well, he grew up as a as an Arsenal fan, which I find really, really funny. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes this summer if he decides to go. But I don't think it'll yeah, be Arsenal. It, I, it won't be. I mean, Arsenal, you know, you're, you're talking about Saka, man. He's like kind of a... a he is a revelation in and of himself. And it's, it's great to see him develop like that. Um, but there's, I mean, that is also such an interesting thing. Cause it's, it's more than an intracity rivalry between uh, Arsenal and Tottenham. There is a, a blood red history between those two teams where Arsenal famously moved from South London to North London and in a backroom deal type of thing, uh, they managed to kick Tottenham down to the lower league while uh, Arsenal got to stay in the top league. So uh, that's a whole episode that we could do in and of itself. But, you know, the it's it's so interesting, you know, with the history of these teams and how they intertwine and the way players move between them, especially these days with the way businesses run. Um, it's, it's wild. Yeah. And I mean, seeing, I, I don't know if, have we ever seen, I'm thinking of at least past 10 years or so. I don't think Arsenal and Spurs have ever traded with each other. I don't think so. I don't think there's, any uh, I, I, I be- was it Sol Campbell back in the day? Mm, Sol Campbell. That could yep. be it. And, wow. But I mean, that There's was few. <laughs> decades ago. So, yeah, uh, it's it's crazy. And, and I think this is kind of like a multi uh, part, you know, sort of series we'll do within the greater artful nutmeg uh football universe here but you know i love kind of going back and looking at these stories and we got some really good ones this week oh definitely and you know we talked about 
our rivalries, but they're always there are always other reasons that you know some players are going to leave, and that can you know when leaving on bad terms. Um, I don't, you know, there's there's a couple of players who are like this. I think the one that always comes to people's minds could be uh, Zlatan, who left a number of clubs. Uh, you know, the famous one is definitely Barcelona with mm-hmm. uh, Pep Guardiola and their relationship, and yeah. he got to a point where he was just. You know, I'm never going to play for this guy. And yeah, there's there's a number of them. But I mean, that, you know, in, in sort of how I use the term mercenaries before, Zlatan has always been about Zlatan. Like, he's never been oh, shy yeah. in how he portrays himself in how he sees or saw his career trajectory. So I don't, you know, outside of maybe probably still having a uh, soft spot for Malmo, uh, which was his um, first club coming up. Uh, I don't, I don't think he cares one iota about any team as long as they're fighting for championships. That's really it. Yeah. Yeah. And he is actually right now at AC Milan uh, or is back at AC Milan Mm -hmm. where he is also, uh, it's really, it's kind of cool. First time I've seen this since, Rivaldo did it, but his son uh, is training with the first team now. So Zlatan and his son are now training on the same team, which I think is That's awesome. hilarious. But yeah, that happened with Rivaldo as well, where they were actually playing in games together. Wow. The next, I believe we have. When you need to, when you decide to leave your club, for a better chance at money of trophies. I spoke a little bit on this earlier about Raheem Sterling mm-hmm. leaving, leaving a club that puts so much money into his development and then, you know, only to just leave for a better salary. And I mean, that, that hits hard. I think for when he, when he left in 2015, you know, this is like, he wasn't even at his peak yet. He was just, he was just coming up, so Liverpool didn't really get a chance at seeing the best of Raheem Sterling, which, you know, that's going to that's gonna anger fans. I think if, if Rashford left in, like, 2017, left Man United, I would yep. be so mad. Yeah. Well, and, and so this is what I'd like to ask, you know, looking back at Cristiano Ronaldo... When he left Manchester United, how did that affect you as as far as, you know, being a, a super dedicated fan and obviously like a, a big advocate for for Cristiano as as long as I've known you? How did how did that go? Yeah, I mean, what I always I always think about is he kind of already paid his dues to the club uh, from his first time being here. Uh, that was, you know, his phenomenal player. We really, and like him leaving Real Madrid, that was fine. Um, because we, we understood like he wanted, he always said he wanted to go to Real Madrid, but yeah, going back to when was it December, I think November, um, when he had his famous interview with Piers Morgan, I, it was, it was very snake-like behavior. Uh, I mean, it's, but for some reason, I can't, 
consider him as a snake because it kind of helped us. <laughs> if that's if that makes sense. Um, you know, he was he was playing on the bench. I understood he was upset. And when he came in, he really kind of killed the way that Ten Hag was trying to have the team play. Um, he, you know, he plays a high press against teams and Ronaldo does not do that. He also isn't great at passing because all he wants to do is score. Yes. Um, so that sort of made things a bit difficult for Ten Hag, which is why he was benching him. Um, so yeah, he left in a bad way, but for me, I can't, I can't consider him a snake just because of his, the time he put at the club already and the weirdly beneficial bit it was for him leaving. Now I have to ask, is that a little bit of a, a rose tinted view of him? Um, or, or I guess, you know, kind of what separates him from, you know, uh, oh gosh, you know, any other player who kind of has an acrimonious split uh, from their team, especially when they've contributed so much. You know, I would say, you know, between the two, I would say, you know, Manchester United truly put him on the map and then uh, he delivered for them in spades, you know. So I guess yeah. is that sort of the thing? Was it such an even yeah, kind of I mean, distribution? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the big thing was for me was that it made sense, you know, that he needed to go. Uh, he definitely didn't need to do it in the way he did it, but he's Cristiano Ronaldo, so he likes to make things a little spicy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a it sort of we'll talk about Antonio Conte later in this episode, but it's sort of that fiery way where it's like, You've given the club no choice but, you know, to let you go, which I think is what Ronaldo wanted. And yeah, you know, I'm I'm very OK with it. It is definitely beneficial for the team. So I, I like, you know, how you so I guess to kind of segue from that, um, you know, so, yeah. So when you're talking about kind of like producing trophies and, and getting wins for the team and then yeah. going on to another team and also winning trophies, you know, <laughs> does that still benefit or does that still fall within the definition of being a snake on the pitch? So I think the big thing for me is, you know, when, when someone is leaving your club because they want to get a better chance at winning trophies, I think mm -hmm. it's, I think it's okay when it's not in the league when you're not going to another team in the league that your current team plays in. Um, you know, that's why going back to Ronaldo, him going to Spain where, you know, although of course there's the champions league, uh, we were, you know, it's, it's not the same as let's take, uh, you know, talk about Mars and Conte in 2016. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. We we had our episode on our first episode actually on Leicester City. Yep. And how they were had the improbable title winning season. You know, they had stars like Mares and Conte who were, you know, who really broke out and they didn't really see uh Leicester City continuing to be able to challenge like that again 
And so, you know, Mares went uh, after that winning season, went off to join Manchester City, who was, of course, becoming a powerhouse. Conte went off to go join Chelsea, who, you know, has always been a powerhouse. And, you know, it's I I would like to ask Jamie Vardy what he thinks of how he views those guys now. I'd I'd be very interested to, to see what he says. Well, you know, and and that's the thing is is gosh, could you see Vardy anywhere else besides Leicester? Like that's that's got to be a club that he eventually calls it with. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe he goes to MLS or something like that, but I can't imagine him, you know, playing really anywhere else. He is he is an England guy. Yeah, I I could definitely see him finishing his career. He's definitely um getting a bit of the of the old man treatment. Uh, comes off mm-hmm. the bench. He's been injured a little bit this season, but you could tell that you know Leicester City and Brendan Rodgers are looking, looking uh, a different way that you know has no part of Jamie Vardy in that squad. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see what happens with that. He's getting up there in age. Actually, I think he's thirty four. Thirty. He's got to be. Yeah, he's been around. Eh. Is he? I'm trying to think, you know, he, yeah, because I think he's what, probably a couple years younger than me. So, yeah, I, yeah, 34, 35, that probably sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, you know, that's a, that's, that's going to be another one of our, our snake definitions is leaving, leaving a team that, you know, you achieve something with to go. I personally, I consider it to be in league change, but, I'm sure there's there's good argument for out of league as well. Um yeah. but yeah, going going from Leicester City to go to a, a club that has more money, a better chance at winning trophies, uh snake like behavior in my eyes. All right, that's perfect. So, you know, I, I think what I found in, in sort of when I was researching this, uh I wanted to find kind of some different examples of, you know, what what can kind of define a snake on a pitch? Uh, so, sometimes it can be a minor thing. Sometimes it can be a serious thing. Uh, one thing, you know, that I do want to say or or kind of point out is in the case of Ian Wright, Arsenal legend, got his start with Crystal Palace, which is also a London-based team, uh, but not necessarily as white hot in terms of, you know, kind of that Derby rivalry you think of between like London, uh, between Arsenal and Chelsea or Arsenal mm. and Tottenham. However, th- he committed probably one of the biggest snafus. So he, you know, kind of was discovered by Crystal Palace. He was kind of like a, a non league. I mean, he was a Sunday league player, uh, kind of like in his late teens, early twenties, uh, came up through Crystal Palace, eventually, you know, got his call up to Eng- England. And, uh, he was a all time, uh, scorer for Crystal Palace for the time that he was there. But in 1991, Ian Wright made the move to Arsenal and, just absolutely kept on his his sterling performances. I mean, he is, you know, just up there in terms of records when it comes to Arsenal. You know, uh, he is just fantastic. And so um, he the the season after or he left uh, Crystal Palace, he, uh, Arsenal 
played them, I you know, I was either last game of the season or, you know, one of those late games uh, where he buried a goal that essentially sealed Crystal Palace's fate uh, for the following season. They would end up going down uh, to the championship and he celebrated on that goal. No, I didn't know that. Yes, um, this was, uh, yeah, as far as I can tell, like, he is still looked so favorably upon uh, with Crystal Palace supporters because he was such a performer for them. Uh, He really was a huge reason they stayed up uh, for for the seasons that they did. And I think. Well, gosh, he was like kind of I was like 2016. I think he was included in kind of like a a Crystal Palace like Ring of Honor type of thing. Um, Mm. So he is still very much respected. But I mean, he is a guy that is Arsenal. I mean, you know, I I don't think he was ever a guy who kind of laid a uh, a preference or or sort of a commitment to uh, Crystal Palace or anything like that. But he definitely became an Arsenal man, and he is still very much an Arsenal man. If you if you follow him and you know kind of his takes uh, on the team, and so yes, it's it's he's such a well liked guy. But again, just one of those snafus you never do uh, as a player when you score on your former team. So that was a little <laughs> thing amazing. I wanted to add in there. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I I didn't know that, and I mean Ian Wright is such a lovable person too yes truly like i he he played for arsenal but it's just such a good person in general Mm -hmm. so it's like yeah i can't hate him which is which is kind of sad to give him you know a bit of the snake title but you know it's he's a he's a good snake we like him still (laughs) he's he's the he's the garden he's the uh gardener snake uh exactly type <laughs> well, but no, uh, it's funny you say that because that's how yeah. often i feel about like angola conte or uh yeah. i mean son like those two guys i i love them to death they play for hated teams of mine but they are fantastic people yeah exactly and uh well to go to a to introduce my my first snake this is this is a bit of an unusual one because we never actually had him permanently so I was okay. speaking about Carlos Tevez. Now Tevez was on uh, May United. We had him on loan, mm-hmm. and in that first uh, in that first season that we had him, we had him, f- and he scored I think nineteen goals for us. It was great. But then we had him on loan again for a second season, and things started to things started to get a little. Shaky. Uh, there was this team you might have heard of that was just coming up at the time called Manchester City, and the quiet know, part of Manchester. Yeah, the quiet part. <laughs> the quiet part of Manchester. And you know, Tevez was getting looked at. Uh, they had the the money to splash. I think Man United was trying to calm down on what they were doing. Um, but eventually, what happened was that Tevez decided to. Uh, joined City while he was still at Man United, and he did probably, he did probably the craziest, like most knife to the heart thing I can think of. When uh, Manchester United was in, was 
you know, about to play in the uh, Champions League final against Barcelona. So about 15 minutes before they went onto the pitch, and he actually gave this interview uh, beginning of this month, which is really funny. And uh, Tevez told Ferguson to his face that he was going to join Man City and not join Man United for the next season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Man United ended up losing that game two to nothings. Uh, I mean, I'm surprised Fergie didn't have a heart attack. It's just like <laughs> that and that. Like, oh, yeah. my God. And um, yeah. And apparently he told him. And then right after the game, he got on a flight and flew to Dubai to meet the owners of Manchester City and signed the contract for to join Man City. And uh, then Man City, of course, had to, you know, with a, another little knife in the heart, made a massive uh, billboard they bought out in Manchester that was actually quite close to Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. And it's it was a thing with of Tevez that said, Welcome to Manchester. <laughs> it was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> This is so I, bad. I I really just know him as, you know, kind of the guy who likes golf. And there was a a brief uh time where I think DC United was was flirting with having him come to the club. And I was like, oh my gosh, that would just be oh the absolute worst. Uh he's he is a mercenary as as far as Davis, my mind yeah. goes. He is 100% that type. Like, he does not care about the club, its history, its supporters. It is how much can I, I get paid and are we going to win silverware? Like, that's yeah. it. He's, I would not have wanted Tevez at DC United. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> I would have rioted. And also, yeah. also, if Rooney was coach and Tevez was playing for it, that would not have gone on. I don't, I don't think he would have allowed that to happen. <laughs> no. For but sure. Yeah, uh, go ahead and uh, give us your next. Yeah, so my next one is 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 not my coup de grace, but I don't know. I, I'd love to get your uh, sort of view on this. But my second choice is Wayne Rooney, uh, mm. being that he was Everton till he dies. And, and I believe that was more or less what he said, like, you know, kind of growing up and, and being with the team. Uh, he was the youngest goal scorer for England at 17. Uh, he was absolutely lighting up the premier league as a teenager. And that, you know, I would say that was the premier league of the, you know, of that time is probably a little bit different from how it is today in, in terms of athleticism. But, you know, he just had such raw talent and for a teenager, just that, that mean spirit, not like a, a, you know, malicious type but just a fiery guy who would not take anything you know i he just absolutely would light anyone up regardless of you know their age or size or whatever you know he was a forward who who could play probably all uh, you know 10 positions uh you know in the outfield so you know he just just a fantastic player anyways he, he was a guy who came up through Everton was saying yep I'm I'm here I'm I'm blue till I die and then he ended up joining Manchester United yeah. and had 
I mean, probably one of the most fruitful careers that that just about any soccer player dreams of in their life. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I sort of wonder how Everton fans, you know, kind of felt about that. I, that's not something I dug into too much while I was researching this, but you know, uh, that, I, I can't imagine what that would feel like to see a player like that, your blue chip wonderkind. And then he just goes and said, just demolishes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, he did have a, a very brief return uh, in 2017 um, yeah. to kind of wrap up his Premier League uh, playing days in Everton. And as as far as I know, he was very well received. You know, he was kind of given uh, a King's welcome back. It was sort of his his apology coming back, yeah. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> Thing with the, it's funny with Rooney because he nearly he nearly had snake like behavior twice because um, he nearly went in uh, two thousand is either two thousand eight or two thousand ten he very nearly went to Chelsea which would have been which it would have been awful um, oh this is, this is not a saga I'm familiar with yeah yeah he nearly went he actually talks about it in his documentary he was really unhappy with the club because the club wasn't um, you know, as as I may have spoken before, not on this podcast, but Man United is owned by uh, a pair of devils called the Glazers. Yep. Um, and they were putting no money into the club. You know, everything, everything that the that any transfer that Man United has ever done has been from money that they have earned commercially. Wow. Um, they've never had their owners put money into the club which is crazy to me they've actually been taking money out for how long has it been 2005 that sounds about right yeah um so yeah they weren't getting any players they had just sold um tevez had left yeah this is around tevez tevez had left and ronaldo had left and Rooney's like, you know, what am I supposed to do with this lot? <laughs> and um, yeah, there was there was no one coming in and he was very close to going. But uh, Fergie convinced him to stay. I don't know how he convinced them because yeah, things were looking a little bit dire. But yeah, I mean, he nearly did it twice. Only Fergie could. Only for, only Fergie could. Yeah. Did you see? uh by the way, the the commercial of Fergie with uh, the Wrexham owners. No, but I, that is something I'm going to have to include in the show notes. I think. Yeah, there. It's 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 really good. I'm. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but go watch it because it's classic Fergie. For sure, I'll give that a look. But anyways, yeah. So, what is your next choice then? Yeah. So, I mean. Mine, I was like, ah, should should Daniel take this one or should I just take this one? Uh, but this definitely has to be the Van Persie uh, switch, yeah. which very, very uh, snake-like behavior as, you know, Arsenal and Man United have, have had that history of being the top teams, especially during the time of Wenger and Ferguson. There's no rivalry like that. Uh, yeah, it's it's the best, like point blank. But uh, Van Persie was the top scorer for Arsenal. Um, 
you know, he had been absolutely crushing it. Arsenal yep. was not willing to boost his contract up. And, you know, Man United swooped in and, and said, we'll give you a bucket of money. You know, you're the, yeah. you're the league's top scorer. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they, they, you know, put their hands into their pockets and paid the man. And, uh, yeah, he went over, he went over to Man United and then became the top goal scorer in the league the next year and won the title as well. Yeah. And I think that's always been, uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't ask you. I mean, that's, that's sort of always, I've always seen it as sour grapes for Arsenal. So it's interesting you say that, uh, it, it could have gone two ways. He was not in the time that he was there. I would not say he was an Arsenal man. There are Arsenal mm. men. And then there's player who's players who play for Arsenal. Uh, yeah, I would I have that. considered, I would have considered him a guy who played for Arsenal. Um, but it was the fact that. Not only did he go on and and just score buckets of goals for for Manchester United, it was the fact that they won the Premier League the very next season uh, was absolutely disgusting. And I mean, you know, he was part of a very important kind of push uh, with with Arsene's uh, vision for the for the team. You know, you had such young, talented guys coming up with Jack Wilshire, Theo Walcott, and um, uh, you had Mikel Arteta, Bakary Sanya, Alex Song. You know, guys who were really coming up strong in the in the squad. And uh, yeah, when he left, I you know it, it just it just felt like oh. I think that was kind of the start of the the dark times for Arsenal. Yeah. I mean, there was obviously a an FA Cup that came, uh, you know, a few years after that. But I mean, it it just felt really dire after that point. And I think things just kind of kept going <laughs> after that, you know, until now, where you know, uh, thankfully, uh, Arteta has has come home. He's an Arsenal man. He's always been He's an Arsenal definitely man. An Arsenal man. Yeah, I I love. Oh, I didn't know we were talking about Van Persie, but uh, the Athletic did a great article <laughs> of his his time in Manchester City, where he had to stifle like every single time that Manchester United or City scored on Arsenal, he'd he'd have to like painfully like. Like he was in this like between where he had to show Pep like, yeah. Good job, guys. You know, but then he'd, he'd just be like, oh, oh, this sucks. So, you That's know, great. that is by definition an Arsenal man. I haven't once heard a, a peep about Van Persie in his time at Arsenal yeah. uh, since true, he's actually. left. So, yeah, you know, he was he was fantastic while he was there. Sucks that he he won a trophy after leaving. So, yeah. for sure, he's still sure very snake. Uh, He's he's definitely still still around still around the club too. Um, Man United that is. Yeah, uh, he was literally there in January, just like visiting people. And I think he's got a kid playing on one of the youth teams still. Oh, that's is, yeah. Yeah, it's gross. It's, 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 I love it. <laughs> well, you know, it's I I think it's very apropos that you picked out a guy like Van Persie who you know. For sure, snake. But I, I, you know, 
I don't think he's the greatest snake in the history of Arsenal. And that title, unfortunately, uh, yes. goes to Ashley Cole or or Cashley, as a lot of Arsenal supporters like to call him. He yeah. was a guy who was coming up in a kind of important part uh, in the early years of Wenger's tenure with the squad. Uh, he was part of the Invincibles. He was, you know, a, a fantastic player for England. Uh, and and he definitely uh, produced uh, for the team. He was a, you know, a defender who played like an attacker kind, kind of guy. And he was, you know, just so integral to that squad. However, in 2005... There was a a secret meeting that occurred uh, between Jose Mourinho, uh, uh, Ashley Cole, his agent, a couple other Chelsea people, and they essentially tried hashing out a deal on the down low uh, to get him moved that summer. However, Arsenal caught wind of this, and there are clear rules, or at the time there were rules in uh, the Premier League saying that you could, that players could not do, you know, sort of like these behind doors meetings with other clubs. I didn't know that. Yeah, they could not discuss uh, moving to other clubs. And so when word got out about this, and then it was proven that this meeting did happen, a whole bunch of good people got fined. I th- think a whole bunch of people got fired uh, for sure. Ashley Cole's agent got suspended for 18 months. Amazing. Find like 300,000 pounds or something like that. <laughs> Ashley Cole got fined a whole bunch. I think that was also in the realm of like 300,000, which eventually got lowered down to 75,000. But uh, he eventually was like, okay. You know, he he got caught. My bad. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I'm he sorry. Si- he signs a one year extension, and then eventually leaves uh, the following summer. Uh, through just to just to twist even further, uh, he absolutely goes ballistic on Arsenal's board uh, in the press. Uh, as soon as he makes this move, you know, he starts talking about how horribly he was treated by the club that after this whole meeting happened he got thrown to the wolves that you know the the club basically tried to make his life as horrible as possible uh after the fact but anyways he goes on to chelsea he goes and and has a a fruitful time with them and uh just for that fact, he he gets the moniker as as Cashley, uh, <laughs> and and you know what this was this is a guy, and I'm I'm gonna go a little bit further with this, but everything that's ever happened to Ashley Cole is because of what Ashley Cole does to Ashley Cole. Uh, this is a guy who has, if you go onto his Wikipedia and you look at like his personal life, uh, there were rumors of him being in a, uh, a, a large, a, a homosexual orgy. And wow, I did not. Know uh, this. Yes. 
And then he had to write an autobiography at the age of 25, uh, say, in my defense for a, a litany of different things that were going on uh, with God. him uh, in his personal life. Um, but not only that, but uh, when he was uh, with Chelsea in February 2011, Cole accidentally shot Tom Cowan, a 21-year-old sports science student on work experience at Chelsea with a 22 caliber air rifle only five what? feet away from the club's Cowan co- training Dick, center. He did a Dick Cheney? Apparently unaware that the rifle was loaded. (laughs) Yes, he did. A Dick Cheney to an innocent, basically a child, a glorified intern, a child. (laughs) So I I had no idea about that. That's insane. Ashley Cole, you know, great football player. You know, he's he's more than in yeah. You know, done his share, but just. Probably not the type of person uh, I would want to hang out with. So yeah, he's he's definitely. I think I. I mean, I'd have him. I would probably say he's the best English left back. Yeah, we've ever had. Uh, yeah, I I I stand by that. He's definitely the best English left back. Uh, but that is insane. I did not know that about him. But for sure, the biggest snake on Arsenal's pitch. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's very snake-like behavior. But you know now we've got a we've got a little bit of news that is going mm-hmm. around the world. Um, very happy to say that both Sir Alex and Arsene Wenger, which of course our two support our two teams that we support, yep. the you know the bosses have been inducted as the first managers into the Premier League Hall of Fame. That is really awesome. And I think those are two guys, uh, you know, sort of in our modern era made the game what it is right now uh, with with two coaches who completely took on kind of like a lot a lot more responsibility than maybe a manager should have with a club. I mean, for sure, Arson, you know, was like he it, every single thing from like uh, training to signings to, you know, staff hires, like basically got his check. Um, and, and yeah, these are two guys who just lived and breathed their clubs. Yeah. I mean, they are two managers that not only changed their teams, but they kind of changed the way that football was. Um, we've definitely We've definitely chatted about, you know, doing some, maybe not just one episode. Maybe they both deserve an episode um, on just, you know, their time as a manager. Um, So, you know, you may see that in the future from us. Maybe, maybe, maybe near, maybe far. But I I know for a fact, like you're going to have to be doing an, an Arteta episode. Uh, uh, in, we'll the, in the next couple of months, so we'll see. I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that ten hog. I hope you've been researching. <laughs> I got a couple tabs open. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of managers, we definitely have to speak about the recent news. Uh, you know, Antonio Conte has uh, left Spurs by mutual consent, which I think we could both agree was more of a I want to leave and get out. Yeah. 
And this is, you know, kind of a pattern that is very apparent with Conte. Uh, He is a guy who he is a proven winner. Uh, He did not win uh, with Tottenham, but uh, he has won with Chelsea. Does Tottenham ever win? (laughs) (laughs) Not if if Arsenal has anything to say about it. (laughs) So Spursy. Sorry, continue. Uh, (laughs) But um, I'm trying to think, uh, gosh, where else has has he been um, aside from Chelsea? He was... uh... He was at Chelsea and he was at Inter Milan where he yep. got in trouble for um, basically match fixing. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's a whole episode there. I think I've, I've never yeah. heard that. Yeah. It was either match fixing or like turning officials to like get in his favor in a big way. Oh, that's um, funny. Yeah. We're, we're going to have to definitely provide a, a deep dive into that because that is a very interesting interesting uh yeah yeah interesting news story <laughs> um but no uh so anyways he you know has won but he it always happens where at the end uh there is a very public meltdown where he will throw the team under the bus in any way he can. And then, you know, he'll he'll go on somewhere else. And it's kind of amazing. You know, I think if it, you know, if he was, you know, a guy who didn't get those results then you know, obviously he wouldn't have much of a career, but uh, he just he wins and then he blows everything up. So I, it's, he's, it's so he's very wild. Mourinho, isn't he? It's so Mourinho. And it's it's entertaining. But I, you know, I always wonder, like, what do clubs see? in that and actually it's funny it it was actually the season before that uh tottenham had approached conte to manage the team but he he initially refused saying i can't work with this you need to spend about this much on this guy this guy this guy and maybe we can talk so uh, Tottenham is like, okay, you know, maybe that's what we do. They go out, they get some players, and then they return to Conte and, you know, basically present him, you know, here's what our vision is. Here's the players we've picked up. Here's how much we've spent. And he's like, he still didn't like it, but he was like, okay, you know, I'll <laughs> give it a shot. And yeah. he, he, had, he had some very, uh, he had some very Conte like signings though in his time. I mean, getting Paris Sitchin, getting Pedro mm-hmm. Poro and Kluzevsky. Um, yeah, but it just you know I feel Tottenham just has this problem where they get these these high profile managers at the time, but you know nothing nothing that's that really looks like it's going to be set for long term. I think they're mm-hmm. just so desperate in having this immediate success that, you know, they're not willing to have a manager to put the time in. And they kind of had that with Pochettino. I know. And, and that's what I was just going to ask, you know, it, it clearly, you know, he's, he's doing, he's doing well uh, over with Roma, I believe. So, you know, gosh, how oh, Mourinho. Yeah. No, Pochettino. No, no, no. Mourinho. Oh, Mourinho. Oh, where is... did Pochettino end up at? He he's nowhere. Oh, he's nowhere right now. Yeah. So that oh, was going to be my next. My next bit was I was going to ask, do you think Pasha's coming back? 
Because I kind of think he is. Uh, yeah, I, can he? You know, and and so my wonder is, you know, he kind of he brought up that Spurs team kind of in that that yeah. mid. 2010s like he had his fingers kind of in the development in a lot of the the scouting and pickups and uh you know uh, son is son because you know Pochettino like gave him you know uh just yeah. just a wonderful platform to do his thing so you know it's it's years after the fact i mean gosh that was what 20 ooh 2018 2017 or 20 what year did uh, Tottenham get get rid of uh, Pochettino. Give me a sec. I want to say, let's see, Mourinho to what's his name? Santos one. Conte about one. I want to say 2018, 2019. Yeah, that sounds about right. Year. And it was yeah. also the year that Potch took them to the Champions League final for probably the worst final of all time. Yes. Where they lost to Liverpool, and yeah, that sucked. <laughs> it yes, was that bad. was. But he um, he has an amazing relationship with Harry Kane, which will yep. be big news this summer. Uh, we're going to see if Harry Kane decides to go anywhere. Maybe some more snake-like behavior. Who knows? We'll have to see what's coming up. Mm-hmm. But uh, moving on from Antonio Conte, we have the Women's Super League in England, which is absolutely heating up with the top four teams with Man United, Manchester City, Chelsea, and Arsenal are all within four points of each other with about seven games to go. That's wild. Yeah, it, it has really... Uh, I think the favorites still are Chelsea. I was listening to... A, Podcast about it actually just this morning. Um, and earlier today, Arsenal won to uh, I want to say they're in the semifinals now. They just they just beat Byron to go into they just beat Byron to nothing, uh, to go to the next round in the Champions League. But yeah, I mean, it's all to go for. Man United is sort of having their first stab at getting a championship or getting a premier league title. Um, nice as they've, they only actually began in 2018. So they're a very new team. which is very surprising by the way. I did not have a women's team until five years ago. Yeah. Thank you. Glazers. <laughs> um, but yeah, man city and Chelsea are also right up there it's going to be very close. I, I want to say you can watch games on Paramount, um, but yeah, things are getting very close up there. Yeah, and and uh, speaking of that as well, the National Women's Soccer League just kicked off uh, last weekend, and you know, kind of relevant to both of us, uh, the Washington Spirit uh, got yep. their first win um, of the season, which. Good. I, I hope that is a sign of things to come because last year was. Kind of horrid. Uh, they, they or everything you know, went the, wrong. <laughs> everything went wrong. Um, they, they for for a little context, uh, they had an incredibly abusive coach. Uh, not necessarily in the physical way, but he was, you know, uh, gosh, he he got in a lot of players' heads, and he, he was, was incredibly demeaning. 
really demeaning to uh particular players and it is uh yeah i i hope things are are gonna go well for them because uh yeah that was that was rough um but yeah no uh good to see them going and i i those uh, you can definitely see on paramount plus yeah fun fun little tidbit i actually went to middle school with a with a player for i think she plays for the thorns now Okay. Uh, but Tyler Lucy, I went to middle school with her and I remember I turned Funny. on a, uh, I turned on one of the games and she subbed in in like the 86 minute in a two, two game and scored the winner. And I was like, Oh, I went to, I went to middle school with her. Ah! That's awesome. <laughs> it was so cool. <laughs> yeah. Very, very cool. But, uh, you know, we've had our speaking of footy. I know it's been international week. But yep. we've had some very interesting uh, matches, starting with England winning for the first time in about 50 years in Italy, uh, who of course oh. knocked them out of the in, of course knocked them out in the uh, Euros final last. I'm still bitter about it, but yeah, I mean, massive, massive uh, win for a team that you know we're not really sure it's happening mainly because uh you have players missing out like rashford who is quote unquote injured which i don't think he is at all Mm -hmm. um and there's a lot of doubts around the coaching position yeah what what, so what's the story that now with that uh well rashford said that he had a had a leg injury a knee injury um he did. He did get a knock in that crazy game we talked about uh, with Fulham, but he. I mean, he's on holiday in New York right now. Um, Southgate talked about you know his unavailability, which you know that's fine. I don't really care about Southgate at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a very it's a very Fergie thing to do to go back to it, which is you know. Claiming that your player is injured because you want to save them for the league. Um, And I think that's something that Ten Hag learned at a dinner with Alex Ferguson recently. So it's it's definitely good to see that he's, you know, sort of making sure that his players, his players aren't available for international matches so he could focus on the club. That's funny. Uh, dinner with the manager. Uh, I was <laughs> going to kind of kind of referencing another uh, athletic article. Uh, they interviewed one of the Premier League owners and uh, they said or, you know, sort of like one of the things about or, or Arsene Wenger or kind of the story about him is that uh, he would have dinner with uh the owner but you know if it was after like a league loss like it would be completely silent so i don't know that just kind of made me think about that um but no uh i guess going across the pond uh to the united states uh we are you know of course in the thick of the Concacaf nations league and the usa had uh two matches, one against Granada and the other against uh El Salvador. Almost called him Honduras right. for a second there, but uh Oof, no don't do that. Um, <laughs> no, the Granada match was uh kind of that boy, uh kind kind of a, a runaway 
game for the USA. Uh, you had a goal from Ricardo or two goals from Ricardo Pepe. Uh, he's crushing Brendan, it right now. Yeah, he's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Brendan Aronson got in on it. Weston McKenney scored uh, two goals. Nice. Um, yeah, Christian Pulisic uh, come in, scored in the 49th. And then kind of kind of the big hype beast now is Alejandro uh, Zendejas uh, came in and, and scored in kind of the 79th minute. So uh, people are very hot on him. He's he's kind of the new shiny toy for the club. But going on to the El Salvador match, Ricardo Pepe uh, put him up on the board and gave him the win. So, yeah, you know, good to see the U.S. kind of coming out crushing you know an opponent that they should um el salvador they're tough they're yeah they're a tough team now they're a tough team uh you know in Concacaf. they're a team to take seriously and good to see them come come away with a win there yeah uh we had some other surprising um well not other surprising we would expect the u.s to win those games um although that el salvador game was very tight but mm-hmm. we had some upsets that as well happened, like Scotland beating Spain two to nothing, which I never thought would happen. Uh, fun fact: Scott McTominay is now the top <laughs> scorer for Euro qualifiers, uh, nice. having four goals in in these weeks uh, for international break. And the other surprise was Denmark losing three to two to Kazakhstan. Which, you know, I always I always like to support the sort of underdog nation in these, just like, you know, we originally saw Morocco in the World Cup, who then went to a semifinal, which is insane. Nice. Um, so, yeah, it's great for Kazakhstan. Bit surprising from Denmark. Did not expect that. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, the, so much more to watch, so much more to get into, but we are actually coming up on time. So... Uh, we will start wrapping this up. This was a great discussion. I I loved this topic. This was really good. But yeah, this is a fun uh, one. Thank you so much, Tom. Where can the good folks find you uh, on social media? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at tiferson94, or you can find me on Twitter spouting nonsense at snitch McConnell. Awesome. And of course, you can find me uh, on Instagram at Professor SDFC and on Twitter at Daniel605Wise. And of course, on both, you can search for The Artful Nutmeg on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Thank you all for joining us on this week's episode of the show. Really appreciate everyone who is tuning in and listening on a week to week basis. Shout out to my my wife's brother, my brother-in-law, uh, Thomas, for for <laughs> we've had some good uh, side conversations about about our topics. But uh, yes, thank you. Thank you so much for your support. And all as always, remember to be well and watch more soccer. 